0: Hey there, and welcome to this episode. This is a guest episode, and I am sharing someone very special to me with you today. So we are welcoming Sakhnikte Yeskes to our conversation. So I'm going to share just a little bit, and then I will open up the floor for anything that I forgot or that you want to add. So when I first moved to the United States, I moved here with my family in 2016, May 1st, 2016. And I had I've always loved policy and politics, but I had never been really involved in large part because I lived in Germany the whole time, and there's some rules. And um, I had become an activist, and I have an earlier podcast about this, when um, there was the mass shooting in an elementary school in Connecticut is when I started my activism. But when I came in, I really wanted to get involved, and I didn't know how, and I was scared. I was really, really, really scared. So I reached out to the local party, and I had the incredible joy Of being welcomed into literal feet on the ground, phone in hand, packet in arm, knocking on doors by Saknite. She helped me feel brave and empowered and, of all things, safe. And that was a really important time in my life. I was living in downtown Denver I was walking around downtown Denver. I had some of the most incredible experiences of people telling me about the history of where I was, and um, I was in Five Points, which is a historical black neighborhood in Swansea, and they were telling us the experiences of the immigrant community. I was using my horrible Spanish. It was fantastic, but I also just learned to trust myself that I could have really important conversations and for those of you who've listened to the Crucial Conversations episode about how to have important conversations, I actually started really putting that into place because of the work that I did that year in 2016. Then a few years – or a few what, – what was it? I don't know, like a year ago? Mm-hmm. A year and a half ago? You reached out to me and said, hey – I want to go and really switch it up. I've been in politics for so long. I've done all this other work, but I'd also worked in tech, and I want to explore something else. And you gave me the chance to support you, which I don't know if you remember, but I like squealed and joy. I was so excited. Our mutual friend connected us again, and I got all excited. So we've been working together for, yeah, about a year in total, I think. Yep. Is there anything there about you as a human? that you want to add or correct, share?
1: (laughs) No, no, that was very, very accurate. Uh, Thank you, Nicole, for inviting me to do this podcast, my first one ever. Uh, So I'm really excited. (laughs) First of
0: many. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. First of many. I'm so excited. I'm your first podcast. I did not know that. So very cool. All right, keep going. Sorry for interrupting you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think the way you described how we met is – Pretty much on point, and I love working with people when it comes to um, activism and political campaigns. And when you find volunteers like you, it's like a treasure, right? So it's (laughs) like, okay, this person is going to really do the work um, and understand the importance of it. So yeah, it was a a great combination, right, and a great uh, working relationship there when we met. So yeah, I mean that's very accurate, like I said, Um, but. I guess I can build from there. I am a person, I'm a woman, you know, that considers herself a community organizer overall, you know, and first and foremost, you know, at the core, I think I've all, I'll always be a community organizer. Every job, every experience I've had professionally, I, that's my mindset. And, you know, it's always worked. I am passionate about social justice and building community. And, Creating opportunity, right? In every um, in every job, you know, where that I had, um, I think the question is always, how can I help? Uh, you know, uh, make this world better. You know, yeah. not to be corny, but um, but that's really what drives me. Um, yeah. And when I contacted you, you know, after doing, because I've done some work in nonprofit organizations, activism, international institutions. Electoral politics, you know, and more recently, uh, tech, Mm -hmm. which is something that I'm also really interested in, and I see mainly as a tool, right? uh, To, you know, to improve inclusivity, um, and equality, right? In many Mm -hmm. ways, Mm -hmm. and obviously, you have to be careful in the way you use technology, and the tools that we have available to us, but, um, but. I think that we should definitely not think of it as something foreign, right. Especially for someone like me, right. Who has worked in fields, right. And, yes. and with people and, and, you know, communities in real life. Um, cause there are, there's a whole world there, you know, out in technology, in tech and more, more specifically, right. Uh, blockchain, which is something that I, I, yeah. I, I recently got involved in, um, you know, starting, when was it like last year? You know, last year, basically, what I was was trying to do is to transition into tech and, you know, and more of like a policy role within a tech company, right?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Because you have so you have
0: organizing skills. You speak a couple of languages. You are a trained lawyer, right? You've done international work, so you know lots of policy. You worked for some big-name American politicians. And so when we first started working together, it was about tech and the policy around tech and the community organizing around tech. Is that right? I totally forgot about this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, social impact, right? Like that. It had to be like, you know, when I decided to make this transition, I was like, it has to have something related to social change and social impact, right? That's
0: right. um, I remember that. Yeah, I remember. And Jen Beeson, who was on the podcast, she works in corporate social responsibility. And we talked about that, but it wasn't lighting you up. And then, do you remember when you came and you were so
1: lit up? Yeah. Going back to what you were just saying, that's pretty much, you know, how it went down right back then last year. Um, Yeah, I initially wanted to transition into tech. Uh, I I have worked in tech a little bit, but I wanted to transition fully. I do want to have this experience, uh, right? Because like I said, I see tech as a tool to create opportunity, right? Equality, inclusivity. So when I first reached out to you, I remember I was, you know, I was uh, looking into jobs in social impact within tech, big tech companies, right? Right. Um, but then around that time, I happened to go to a, a conference um, about blockchain, uh, and that really changed everything for me, right? It's because what, what it was is they brought together social justice activists, artists, And people in blockchain. And that was for me something that, you know, sort of like, it clicked for me, right? It's like, okay, there's something here. This is very fascinating. I love learning too. And I love learning new things. So this was just like, whoa, this is really cool. And then I definitely, like, I suddenly was just like, you know what? I think I want to focus on this uh, rather than the traditional, Mm -hmm. you know, Internet that we
0: know, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and and you had had like people interested in interviewing you for active positions. You were like moving and shaking because you have a great network. And I remember I was like, okay, she's she's in this. Like we're looking at I don't know eight to nine weeks, and she'll be in rounds of interviews and negotiating. But you weren't you weren't lit up. It was interesting, and one of the things that I just loved about that first time we were – I think we were texting and then we got on a phone call was how – just how focused you were on tech as a lever to make the world better. And then you just – you kind of glance over this. So I'm going to really nail it down for our audience so that they can identify when they're feeling their passion. The next time we talked, you went to this conference. You're like, yeah, I don't know. I think you got a ticket from somebody. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Well, it was sort from of my alma mater, right? Um, That's th-
0: right.
1: Yeah, because um, as you were saying earlier, you know, my, my background is more in uh, policy, politics, and That's law, right. and um, my alma mater, as an alumni group, very active here in New York and in well, in general, right in the U.S. Yeah. But but they invited us to one of a conversation with Frank McCourt. Who yes. was launching Unfinished Life, right? Which is this project that I was mentioning, right? Like bringing together people from different walks of life to uh, to build a new, like a new era, right, in technology. Yes.
0: So, yeah. And you came out of that conference, and you were fire and flame. <laughs> you were so lit up. You were so like Nicole do you know about this? I was like, I know enough for a three-minute YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> and you just you just found what you saw incredible opportunity in that needs your skills that you knew people in. I mean, it was – y'all, listeners, listen. Lit up, ready to take the risks. You could have gone the easy route. You really could have. Would not have been a thing, but you saw what you were passionate about and you just started moving towards it one step at a time with that passion and with that direction. Also, while you were going through really big life stuff, like it's all, it was the pandemic, lockdowns, you're in New York City, the whole nine yards. But yeah, like, dear listener, when you feel that passion and that excitement, follow it. I think this is one of the bravest gifts that you could give to us. Is your passion and your thrill just like Teknike is sharing with us <laughs> right now? Right?
1: Yeah, mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I know that it's not easy, right? And and this is not something that's uh, possible for many people. But for those few who have a passion, have found their passion and their purpose, I I encourage you to follow that, you know, because it's yeah. I guess that to me personally, it's what drives me. And it has helped, like I said, in every job I've had, you know, asking that question, how can I help make a change? Right. And that's that's just very important for me. But going back to your points right about about that time when I was like, hey, Nicole, you know, blockchain and, you know, and. And DAOs and all these things, um, these new things, and yeah, no. Basically, what I did is after that conference, I enrolled in an online course about blockchain because I wanted to understand the technology. Uh, I'm not an engineer, you know, I, that's not my strength, <laughs> but um, but I wanted to understand how it worked, and I have a better understanding now and how it can be used, right? And it's not just uh, crypto. Because every time I talk to people about blockchain it's like oh you're in crypto I was like i'm not in crypto i mean you know it, there's other things that exist yes. on the blockchain yes crypto is a big thing obviously of course but um anyway so yeah. so yeah i i you know i started to learn more about it um i started to meet people in this space uh which is uh actually a really exciting space by the way because it's relatively new so most people are very accessible Right. If you reach out to them, um, Mm -hmm. most likely they'll say yes and meet with you and talk about their experience and try to engage you. Right. Which I think is really it's really wonderful. But, yeah, you know, I I started to meet people. And uh, one of the things that you and I were working on around that time was, uh, you know, like interest interviews and networking, the importance of those two elements. Right. As you're transitioning or starting a career, uh, at any point, really, right, in time. Yeah. But, um. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think, like, I think we, we created a plan, right? And something about mm-hmm. coaching, right, that I wanted to say is that um, most of the people that I've met, you know, within your group of uh, clients, uh, when we meet for groups,
0: yeah, yeah, Got for the group back. sessions.
1: So, yeah. yeah, when we have the group sessions, I see women that are very experienced, right? And most yeah. of us have had long careers, um, most of them in tech, but also some in teaching and, you know, me and uh, public service and politics. So it's not like we don't know that these things exist, right? But you do forget about it, you know, as in it. And it's, I found that this is very important in, in any yeah. sector. Um, me as an organizer, right? Like I started working as an organizer and directly with people, with people like you, yes, volunteers, and talking to strangers. And I still do that, right? But I've had other positions, right? Uh Managing yes. teams and creating, building projects from scratch, right? And leading, leading it. So exactly. But every time I, I've, you know, this is something that I do intentionally. It's like I try to go back to that you know to to talk to the organizers to talk to the people that are in the front lines and to try to do it even even if it's just at the beginning a few days you know try to be out there because we do forget you do forget yeah. and it's so important right and it's the same here right with uh, networking right like obviously yes. I knew about networking I know it's important but I hadn't done it intentionally for such a long time right mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. so yeah when we Started working, we created this plan, right? And and I remember one day when you asked me, it's like, uh, okay, so what's your goal? I was like, okay, I'm gonna contact ten people uh, That's this right. week, right? So like I said, I'm gonna contact ten people this week, and these are random people, all right? These are not people that I know; they're not in my network. I just, you know, I research them. I research the companies that I find more most interesting for me, you know, at the moment, and in blockchain. So, yeah, I reached out to ten people, and from there, I got. Four calls, four meetings, yeah, Zoom or over the phone, and and three references, and this is from people that didn't know me, right? Um, and I was, you know, my I, my mind was blown, right? Because I don't yeah. think I've had that much success before, you know, when it comes to networking. <laughs> and, and I was surprised. And again, I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of, you know, elements to this, but um, yeah. but just being, you know. Taking the time to do it and not being afraid to do it, to reach out to people mm-hmm. like complete strangers, right? People <laughs> you don't know. Because that's basically what yeah. I did. I went on and I was like, okay, I I messaged them. Uh, they replied. And on LinkedIn, right? On LinkedIn. It- yeah. On LinkedIn. Yeah. They were okay. on LinkedIn. And then there were a couple that, um, that I messaged on Discord, which is... Uh, Yes, that's yeah. right.
0: Discord. I forgot about that part too. yeah, wow. we we have done so much amazing stuff together. I'm like, oh, I forgot, that. I forgot <laughs> that. Yeah, because one of the things that I remember us having a lot of conversation around before we made this really concrete momentum plan was about who are you now, not who you've been, and what's your story now? What kind of difference do you want to make now? And you crafted your storyline specifically around, hey, here's how I can help. Here's all the skills I have, and here's how I can help. And then you really, you were so intentional about how you wanted to feel and when you were going to push yourself and when you were going to be kind to yourself, when you were traveling, when you were at home. And and that is how you crafted this brand throughout your entire career because you're quite senior. I'm not sure if we've made that clear, but you are quite senior. You've really worked in a lot of different places, lived in a lot of different places, had very high-level roles. And then you're doing this big switch. So you had this amazing reputation. Your LinkedIn was on point. You did so much work for the shift and then with the feeling and with your story you reached out to people and they could just they could just sense it they could just feel it like this is somebody who actually is like you said earlier how can i help make a change and the course and all these things that you put into yourself and allowing yourself if i can if i can just point something out allowing yourself to ask for things Was a huge growth because you had been asking for various political candidates and bosses and organizations. And then you're like, oh, oh, I'm asking for me. Yeah.
1: (sighs) I think that was a big breakthrough for me because, like you said, I have no problem asking strangers for things, you know, when it comes to a cause um, to vote for a candidate um or to join you know or sign a petition right like these things are easy to me but when it came to myself I realized I was like whoa I've never done that and (laughs) and it was hard right like I I I mean it wasn't like okay let's just go ahead and do it no I was like okay it's a little bit embarrassing you know Uh, I don't know what the answer is going to be but I have to do it and I think uh that's that's uh, that's where our work helped, right? Because yeah. I had to feel comfortable being confident. Yes, you know, being confident in my work, in my experience, yes. owning it. Um, yes. and that's something that it, it's hard, right? Um, well, at least yes. for me. Um, so uh, yeah. that I think that was a big, big step, a big step for me. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. And 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 I there was also this bro- breakthrough moment where you said, "Hey." Nicole, because I know what I know, right, about my career in Europe, and there's not a big Latinx community in Europe, right? And you came in and you're like, so here's the deal. This is how many women who are identified by others or are identifying themselves as part of the Latinx community, this is how many work in tech. And it's a tiny, tiny percentage right? This is how many you see in leadership positions. And we had just amazing conversation around what that meant for you and for the type of ceilings, windows, doors, all the things that you can crash through and really make an enormous change as well. And when all of that came together, it just, yeah. All of a sudden, we're on a call. I think we missed a week or two. I think I was sick probably, and we missed a week or two. And then we get back on the call, and you're like, So I joined a hackathon. I'm in this program to make a DAO. And I'm like, How do you spell that? <laughs> What's a DAO? <laughs> just took off, right? And of course, there's struggles. Of course, there's concerns, but um, just how you, how you crafted something from literally nothing, nothing was just astounding, really. How about you tell folks, like, what is, a, what is a DAO? So first of all, it's spelled
1: D-A-O, correct?
0: Yes. There we go. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, some people might have heard about this, but it's, it's basically, it stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. And in a nutshell, it's a collectively owned organization that lives on the blockchain. And it's decentralized Meaning that there's no CEOs or CFOs, uh, although there are some DAOs that do have these these titles. But um, in essence, mm-hmm. and the principle is that it's decentralized. And in contrast with the corporation as we know it, yeah. you know every member has a say, right? Um, mm-hmm. In the corporation, you have your executives, your board members making the decisions, and the workers uh, usually don't. I know there is some models. I think Germany has a good one, right, With the workers are part of the yeah. war members. but uh, Yeah, it- but it's
0: like two out of, you know, 12, mm-hmm. I think, right? Right, right. That The model that actually helped me understand this, come with me on this journey, because it took me a while to understand what we were talking about. I was watching YouTube videos. <laughs> I was like reading the articles that you sent out because this was all new for me. I didn't know what this was. And what helped me – Was remembering that in the place I lived in Germany, it's wine country, Mm -hmm. and there are all of these micro vineyards, and they all come together, and they make a wine, and that wine is provided and is served to the community at very low costs. When I say very low Mm -hmm. cost, it's like $3 for a lovely bottle of white wine, right? Right. And when something happens, there's a weather issue or... There's, you know, moving from the cork bottles to the screw-on bottles, which actually are better for the wine, white wine. They come together and they discuss and they have dialogues over a period of time, whatever that may be, a day, an hour, a month, whatever. And then in, you know, in a unified way, they make a decision, not consensus-based, but in a unified way and therefore you can still get your wine for 3 or 4 dollars a bottle because these micro farmers, micro vineyards are working together. And when I reflected on that, I was like, "Oh, I get this. But we're doing something um revolutionary and we're taking that back into the financial system, back into the various communities that our
1: financial system have excluded. So right. I mean, what you described, it sounds a lot like uh, you know—it sounds a lot, a lot uh, like the way a DAO works. Right. Making a decision collectively, yes. and I think that's what drew me to that. Right. Um, there's all different kinds of DAOs, but the, you know, obviously, the the one of the important things is that it you know, these um, pe- members of the community uh, have a shared mission, right? So it's a shared mission. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, like I said, it's decentralized. Uh, and that's one of the, you know, um, oh, yeah, I mean, it's one of the features that are very important here, you know, like decision-making comes from the community, uh, governance, right? It's also mm. something that... Um, is it's a big a big topic right now in the dao community um this is basically where you're going to lay out like how you vote and who in no this this is where you're going to lay out you know um the your voting system and the proposals because that's something else right so that's yeah. another element right where um the members of the dao or the community um they, anyone you know can come and uh, submit a proposal, uh, but nothing happens without the community voting, right, together. And like I said, there's different types of DAOs, but uh, what we're trying to do with ours is to bring together a community uh, of investors and users that raise it together, raise capital to to help underrepresented communities that want to start a business in cannabis, Right. And these are communities that have historically lacked access to capital in the uh, traditional financial system. Right. For many reasons. And that's a whole another podcast. But, uh, <laughs> but- well, well, let's just touch on it for just a second, For
0: especially for the global audience. So about 30 percent of the people who listen to this podcast, hey, y'all, are all over the world. So historically in the United States, and you correct any of the facts that I get wrong, please. OK, historically in the United States. White people, brown people, black people, all the people have utilized cannabis, pot, marijuana, whatever you want to call it, at the same rates per population. Mm -hmm. However, white people like me have not been going to jail for it, whereas black and brown people certainly have been at incredibly high numbers. It was something called the war on drugs. As a result of that, many people were then locked out of access to capital, money, loans, et cetera, to start their own businesses. And they were also locked out from the job market. So it's not a fantastic setup. It's almost like people were, you know, working through a system. Anywho, then when states like Colorado, where I live, and a variety of others decided to legalize marijuana on the state level, The only people who could get in were people who had their own money. It's something like 99 point something percent were people who were white. So we have this situation in the United States for our global audience where black and brown people have been locked up for years, closed out of the system for many different reasons, one of them being that, who cannot (laughs) create businesses in a key fast growth market and industry in the United States, but white people can—they can get the capital, they can get the access, they have the generational wealth, or we have the generational wealth, et cetera. So that's why having this—what's it called? Diverse? No, not diverse. Diversified? No. Decentralized for the, the just, yeah, the community-based decentralized system to help people start their own businesses in an area like cannabis is community building. It's system changing. It's generational changing. Like This brings all of the things that we started off with what make you so special, brings it all together, and it answers the question, how can I help make a change?
1: Right. I mean, that's exactly what happened, right? I think yeah, when we decided to start this this project, uh, that was the inspiration, right? Again, like I said, you know, like for me, it's always about like, how can I help make a change, you know, or create opportunity, create equality, you know, or help create equality. And this was an issue that um, resonated, you know, a lot. And, you know, the, the whole situation with, People of color, right, being incarcerated at high rates for minor marijuana offenses sometimes, and yes, and the injustice, right, that right now uh, states are starting to legalize marijuana and or cannabis, and um and they're not benefiting from a business that they know really well, right? They have the yes. experience and <laughs> they yes. know the market. So, yes. uh, this was just, you no, know, something like it was very interesting for me and my partner, um, Christos um Ciclianis. he's mm-hmm. in Greece uh and so we we had other people you know when we joined the hackathon that's how it started right and we had other people on the team that were very uh, they, they contributed you know to the project itself but right now uh they're acting more as advisors and we still continue you know they, they continue to advise um and co- mm-hmm. we consult with them but um but yeah, I mean, we, we all had this in common, right? Like, we all had a social justice background. Uh, Christos himself, he's a he's a software engineer. He's, so he's our tech guru. <laughs> <That was fantastic. laughs> yeah, I mean, you always need that, of course. Um, but he does have a social... You know, he's been very involved uh, in Greece. He's done, you know, work uh, around immigrants', immigrants rights. Mm-hmm. And he also builds... He co-founded a, a cooperative, agricultural cooperative, um, and worked in the cannabis industry, but mainly like farming, I believe, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, I mean, but the point is, is uh, really we're doing something that we're passionate about and that we believe in. And again, like, you know, I said, like sometimes when I mention that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing a blockchain project, people are like, oh, you're... It's you're in crypto. You want to be a billionaire, and it's like it's really that's not our drive, you know. I think our drive yeah. is to is uh, economic justice, right? In a way, so so yeah. I mean that that's basically how I ended up with this project, this DAO. We've been working on this since last April.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. We've we've been looking at different different uh models and tools and ways in which we can raise capital. Uh, all of this within decentralized finance. And there is something that we want to include that is actually uh, becoming a, a, a little more more known and popular, I guess. It's the, the tokenization of real-life assets, right? So mm-hmm. we're going to implement that in our project. And, I mean, I don't want to give out too much, but, um, no, but it's really no. exciting and it's a really new concept uh, and more real estate companies are starting to use it. You know, mm-hmm. Some real estate companies are starting to use it here in the U.S. and abroad. And, and yeah, well, overall, this project, like I said, you know, it's it's going to we're going to launch in the US, but it's going to be uh, tailored to people globally. But yeah, so that's that
0: is exciting. That is very, very exciting. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, we're going to have links in the show notes so that you can go even further. Um, you've just been so generous with your story and how you got there and what helped you. I'm curious about your brave role models. Who was generous and inspirational for you?
1: Yeah, that's that's a hard one because I I do admire and I mean, the women in my family, of course, right? But my friends, the people I know, people I've worked with, I think I always have respect for them and I always learn something from them from them too. Right. So, but I mean, just to get into a micro level. (laughs) Yeah. My mom and the women in my family, right. My parents, uh, rather both of them, they had a really, um, strong work ethic. My mom was very hardworking and resilient. And my dad was always, you know, encouraging us to go the extra mile, right. And to not be afraid to go out and do what, you know, what's, what you like, you know, and you're passionate about. He always talked about passion too.
0: My impression of the stories over the years is that while they encourage you to go out and to go the extra mile, you have always had a nest. They created the both. That as a mom, I want to create for my children. That's why it stood out for me. (laughs) It's like, go into the world, experience, go the mile, do the things, move to the countries, whatever. And you are always at home here. And I think that that's one of the reasons that you have been such a community driver. So I'm, I'm really honored that you would share there memories with us no thank you thank you that's beautiful ah so much inspiration
1: oh <sighs> all right just the last question can I say something else to that though sorry oh please for so my parents so yeah my dad he always told me be brave and that's something I remember it's interesting because he was like but I think it's in the Bible, I believe. <laughs> and he always shows that for me. He would say, Esfuerzate y se valiente, so make an effort and be brave, right? So that was something that he always had for me, you know, and that I always I it made me think a lot. So yeah, I mean both my parents, my sisters too. I mean, they raised very strong women and very um resilient as well. And I, you know, I could give you examples of each of them. But but yeah, more a, you know, more recently, I think I've met a few people, you know, and these are women, and two of them actually were part of our team in the hackathon. These were women from Afghanistan. They're both front end engineers, and they, you know, when they joined, they were in Afghanistan, and unfortunately, they had to drop because they they were facing a lot of struggles at home, right? And one of them, well, was, you know, they, they had a lot of problems with internet and connectivity. Uh, but I think you know and they never mentioned this but I think we know you know given the situation in Afghanistan how hard it was for them you know to to even you know like join the hackathon right and and have the freedom to to use their skills and their knowledge yeah. so I think about them a lot and I'm like okay hopefully you know once we launch hopefully they're they're able to come back right right and then yeah I mean these women this all you know I'm lucky to to have met a lot of women they are very, very, they're very strong. They're brave. And there's one more. Uh, this one, is she, we worked in the last campaign, the last political campaign I worked on. She was the campaign manager, the co-campaign manager. And she's a woman of color, right? And we both worked in the headquarters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Her name is Sasha Ahuya. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But uh, yeah, she was a co-campaign manager this campaign and we both worked in the headquarters and she was the only woman of color aside from me working if i remember well in the headquarters at the time and i had an office right in a little corner and i was always busy cuz i was doing logistics and operations and i'm always busy when i'm on a campaign <laughs> but every time they had like lunch uh more they got together to watch the debate you know with our candidate uh, participating in it Um, she would come to my office and be like hey you should join us you should come and I'll be like yeah yeah give me a second like and in my mind I'm like there's no like I can't right now like it's so much work to do but she insisted every single time and there were many times and I realized you know it's like how important that is and like I realized what she was yeah. doing at the at the time obviously I I, I knew but Because I was so stressed with work, I didn't like really appreciate it. And not appreciate I appreciate it. It's more like, okay, like the the significance and the magnitude of what she was doing, because when I entered those rooms, that room in particular, right? Um yeah, it was all, she was the only woman of color. And then it was me, right. She invited me to join the table, right. <laughs> to join the yes. the group. And it was like, that was very important. I mean, that is very important. We all know this, right. For women and especially women, women of color. And, um, yes. I learned that from the, from her, even though obviously I know that we, you know, we have to work towards this and be, um, be allies and, and you know, be, uh, helpful to our sisters, but, um, you know, seeing it so close had a a big impact and I hope I'm able to do that one day. I hope I'm doing it already, but I I really want to make sure that I do it now that I had the experience with Sasha and she's a wonderful manager too. So.
0: (laughs) And, and I want to confirm for you. So all of your examples were women who are called women of color in today's English vernacular, right? And that is so important that we elevate voices that sound different, people who look different, people who love different, right? Then this idea that we've artificially chosen as norm. And what she was doing is called the shine and amplify method, I have a podcast episode all about it. If you're like, what? Why is that important? How do you do that? I had someone do that for me and then teach me how to do it in that project, but also how to do it overall. And once one is aware of the magnitude, like you said, you, you chose the absolute correct word. It's magnitude. We shine the lights onto each other, and we amplify the presence. We amplify the voices and the skills, and it's very simple. It's very brave, and it fundamentally changes the trajectory of many people's lives. So per usual, my friend, (laughs) community building you are. Uh, Thank you so much, and we'll have links in the show notes for sure. Is there anything that you wanted to share that we missed talking about, about your journey, your background, inspiration you wanted to leave, how coaching helped you, like just
1: anything? Because I could keep you on here for another hour. Let's be clear. (laughs) (laughs) Just in general, and and just taking from what you said, since we're talking about bravery and careers... Particularly for women of color, right, who are trying to start a project or to trying to make a career change or enter a, a new industry, right? Like in my case, tech, tech and like blockchain, and, you know more specifically, there are times where you're gonna doubt yourself because I have, of course, but just keep going, just keep going, really, because there's sometimes there's no one else doing what you're trying to do. And talking about blockchain in, in the in the blockchain space, we need more diversity right there was a survey recently by uh actually it was an article in coindesk and they they um they highlighted how uh 23 percent of black americans and 17 percent uh hispanic americans own crypto in comparison to 11 percent of white people right and there are other other surveys
0: that's awesome yeah
1: but in spite of that the the industry is still dominated by white, white males, right? Um, so yeah. there's very few people like me trying to start a project on blockchain, <laughs> and we need more. And yeah. please, after this, if you have time or some at some point, go and Google blockchain and social justice, and you will see all the things, all the great things that are happening in the space.
0: What you just said is really, really important. You are one of the very few women of color who is boldly creating a new path that we will all benefit from. And I want to applaud you. And I also want to encourage all of the listeners not to write off blockchain and not to write off crypto and not to write off DAOs, but really take a moment and go learn about it. Even if it's seven minutes a month, the next 12 months. I promise you our current understanding of these technologies and who is smart enough to do them is exactly like what the internet was when all of us were in high school or younger. This is a massive, massive, massive growth area and we need this time. We need women like us Women from every community, non-binary people, transgender people, people in every community and faith to be leaders so that we don't replicate the broken systems in yet another technology. Cannot stress it enough.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that here very, very much. No, thank you. But yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention, since we are here uh, talking about careers, right, and being brave, yeah, I mean, definitely don't be afraid to reach out to people and ask, uh, you know, for whatever it is that you 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 need, right, in terms of professionally, right, or even personally, I guess. But something that we we always say in community organizing is, you don't get what you don't ask for, right? Yes. <laughs> and what's the worst thing that can happen that they say no and then what you know just move on with life that was just whatever it was it was a no and we get a lot of no's as you know knocking doors <laughs> Absolutely. and and life goes on right and the world keeps moving and and it's okay and i think even in that case you you have yeah you've gained that experience right so yeah go out there and you know network i know it can be daunting i know you know you can be nervous and a little bit afraid that's okay feel what you have to feel but then go and do it and just be comfortable like i said at the beginning Mm. be comfortable being confident you know i think yeah you know at least in my case i had to work on it but (laughs) um but i mean mean, we're all in different places right in our lives but um but, yeah, I think it's owning it is very important.
0: And I think it's different for all of us, but it's the same for all of us. I have yet to have a client. I mean, I've had clients in the C-level. I Right now I'm working with a woman who just turned 27 years old, and confidence is a skill for us all. And I believe that bravery is what allows us to build the confidence, mm-hmm. first the clarity. Yeah.
1: Yep agreed
0: so we will link to you on linkedin is that the best place or is there somewhere else
1: linkedin discord yes
0: feel free to reach out anytime okay fantastic so we'll have links to all of that in the show notes fantastic hey you are a treasure thank you thank you for helping me build my brave however many years ago that was now Thank you for being there in the heartbreak afterwards. Thank you for remaining in contact and giving me so many skills and then entrusting me to be your coach as you figure out another way to help to make change. I'm really proud that I know you and that we have this amazing relationship so thanks thank you likewise Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) I'm gonna cry (laughs) yeah I am crying
0: so catch up (laughs) all right everybody until next week brave it up bye hey before you go if you find the brave concepts I share in this podcast useful and you want personal in-depth support to reach your brave goals I invite you to apply for my six month one-on-one Build Your Brave Coaching Package. I coach you and I teach you everything you need to know to get clear, get going, and become your brave you. Imagine you and me together for six months, building your bravery so that no matter your goal, no matter where you're starting, we celebrate your results. You will stress less, you will work less, and you will earn a lot more. Go to tricksteinbach.com and schedule your consultation till next week. Brave it up.